0: From Ridiculous Joy and TMSG in Roseville, this is the True Joy Podcast, a story of joy told each episode. I'm Jill Mansfield. We've been following the case of Missing Joy, but we're also digging into the true crime obsession we seem to have as a culture. At first glance, it probably doesn't feel like those two topics go together, but I'm really starting to believe there's something there we need to pay attention to. And while I don't believe that one caused the other, there's a connection I'm trying to piece together to help me understand how we got here, this place that seems so incredibly joy deficient. As we enter into this third episode, I found myself questioning the true crime label, Or maybe I'm just reconsidering what I have considered true crime. I've avoided murder podcasts for so long. I overlooked other stories that don't qualify as such. Murder isn't the only crime featured in these stories, but it seems to get a lot of the attention. Over the past 18 months, it feels like the docu-series popularity has grown. We've had everything from Tiger King to Tiger Woods, and honestly, it's been a wild ride to witness from afar. Someone in my household has watched more than a few of these series. I will tell you that I'm a little more open to watching the sports-themed stories than any of the others, but I have been known to put my headphones on, work on something else, and ignore what's on the TV because it's just not my jam. I have also left the room when I just can't take the sadness or evil of humanity. Even if I watch TV like an absolute child, I've learned so much from even the 30 seconds I've seen of these different stories. There's way too much to unpack right now, but there are two things I want to point out before we continue. Number one, there really is evil in this world. There are people that do really, really bad things, and it's terrifying, maddening, unfair, and devastating. And number two, and maybe this is the most important, We are all one bad decision or one mistake away from blowing up our lives or ruining someone else's. In our last episode, we got a breakdown of the crime scene. As I compiled the evidence and interviewed the victims and the witnesses, I kept noticing it was the most obvious things that kept vying for my attention. The fighting and the violence were loud and in my face. The people were loud. The issues were loud, the disagreements were loud, everything we see reported on the news and see on social media, all of it so, so loud. And all those feeds feel curated by chaos, fueled by anger, comparison, jealousy, and shame. But if we've learned anything from murder podcasts and true crime, we know that it's rarely the easy, loud, in-your-face answer that solves the case. There are twists and turns and impossibilities that draw us in and make us question what we know. And soon we learn that in so many of these stories, it's the unexpected, the really quiet but nice neighbor, the friend from school, the grandmother type that couldn't hurt a fly. Again, I'm no expert and I'm probably a terrible investigator, but the really loud in-your-face clues seem too easy. As I investigate the disappearance and possible death of joy, sifting through those loud distractions, I knew I would need to dig deeper into the less obvious. One of the biggest differences between what we're doing here and the true crime podcast we've become accustomed to is that the tellers of the story usually have the luxury of not being involved. They're mostly telling the stories of strangers, cases they've read about, seen on the news, heard from someone else. I would imagine, although I don't know for sure, that they can separate their lives from the story of murder and true crime story that they're telling. I can't. I wish I could be disconnected and less involved. I wish I could tell a story that makes me look like the hero and saving the day. But the truth of the matter is, I'm not. I'm as much to blame as the next guy. So if we're all on trial, I'm gonna need to go first. I usually don't mind going first, but this is actually really difficult. That's me. I asked my sister to interview me because I wanted to, well, flip the script a little. I wanted to talk about this in a less polished and edited way. That might sound weird, but I was pretty sure it was the only way to do it. I feel like joy has been i guess sort of a fixture in my life for i don't know as long as I can remember i I wish I could remember my first memory of joy, but I just i don't know I guess I just feel like it was always there, which I do realize is a very lucky thing to say. I just wish that I had been paying more attention. But I think that's why this case feels so personal to me because I, I don't know, I guess joy just means so much to me. I can't let it go. I wish I could remember specifics. I have been lucky enough to have the thread of joy woven throughout my life, but I'm not sure I could give you dates, places, and information that would be helpful in our search. There are the obvious ones like birthdays and holidays and family events. I could mention days in Disneyland, where the childlike and child-friendly atmosphere lets joy thrive think about when friendships were formed, the road trips with family and laughing so hard you can't breathe. And then there are the sacred, joy-filled days like when my children were born, or the time I actually let myself be loved by God. But it's the simple and less flashy times I wish I could remember better, and what I've committed to celebrating on Ridiculous Joy. Taking a walk on a cool, sunny morning. That freshly-brewed cup of coffee. Listening to your favorite song. Or, if you're me, listening to all your favorite songs. Memories from when you were a kid when you ran so fast you felt like you could fly. Or swinging on the playground so high it actually felt like you were flying. A good manicure. Fresh laundry. Game nights. That moment when you see your person after being gone on a trip. The sunrise a beautiful sunset, the night sky full of stars. These are the moments I wish I had stronger memories of the joy that I saw. I wish I had held tighter to those. I wish I hadn't taken them for granted. I guess it's like any relationship where it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day. When life gets busy and you don't make time for the other person... And then all of a sudden, it's been way too long without seeing them. But it's when that relationship is missing in your life, you realize how much it meant to you. And joy is like that friend who's always there. The friend who lets you be exactly who you are. The feeling of being safe and loved. Who's even there in the darkest hours. I mean... Did I even know joy before, if it was so easy to miss it being gone? I don't know how to come to terms with the fact that I let something happen to joy. I became complacent. I don't think I ever stopped caring, but I stopped noticing. The dark and negative started to feel so normal, I was numbed by it. I let myself be lulled to sleep and inaction by the low hum of intolerance and discontent. Feeling anything too big felt like a huge risk, so I let myself be separated from joy, and I settled into the new normal of apathy, anxiety, and confusion. I lost sight of joy. I didn't say anything because, well, I'm not sure why. I think mostly because it took so long for me to notice that something had happened. I felt embarrassed by the time I did. And then I didn't even know how to come clean. I just knew that something was wrong. I knew joy was missing. And I had to come face to face with the fact that I had something to do with it. It's me. I did it. I did nothing to stop the death of joy. today's briefing. The long and short of it is that I'm to blame. Our suspects are many, but I can't ignore the truth that I'm one of them. Going first means I have to get comfortable with being wrong, with being guilty, and not being able to change the past. My rap sheet is a mile long and includes everything from apathy to willful ignorance. I've spent the past year and a half undercover, searching for joy, allowing my work to lull me into believing I wasn't the problem. Being a part of the search and rescue team doesn't negate the original crime. I have a mark on my record and read in my ledger. I feel a sense of responsibility to continue this investigation and double my efforts on ridiculous joy. Because I can't ignore the fact that joy is missing and this world desperately needs it. So the search for joy continues. I don't have time to get caught up with the what-ifs and regrets, I just have to keep going. There are suspects to investigate and witnesses to interview. And in our next episode, we continue to follow the clues that lead us to one of the very reasons we're in this mess in the first place. Shame. The conversations won't be easy and we're not going to like it. But I guess it's just another reminder why our daily decisions matter. Our fight for joy matters. And we're just getting started. See you in two weeks. The True Joy Podcast is produced by Sarah Whitehead, Dina Flores, and me. Tracy Eldridge is our Joy Promotions Manager. The man I'm married to is our Production and Operations Manager. Paisley the Dog is our Editorial Advisor. Editing, done by me. Fact-checking, loosely done by me. A special thanks to my daughters, Paige and Abby, my family and friends, and the Ridiculous Joy community, who are also my family and friends. Joy Podcast is a production of Ridiculous Joy and TMSG Roseville. And I'm out.